Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. No music, no intro, another episode of Hashtag Saints Twitter Podcast. Uh, we, got our, we got our man back on, Greg Rosenthal from NFL Network. We were going to have a around the hashtag Saints Twitter podcast with Patrick coming on, but, you know, he had other responsibilities, so he had to bow out. But mm. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, it was going to it was gonna be a full house. It was, I mean, there is the whole Black Lives Matter thing, so we, we wanted to put as much pressure on you as, as possible. I mean, what, what pressure would I feel? That would, that would have been, uh, it would have been delightful, though I would have felt bad getting Claybon on two different podcasts. Not that this is mine yeah. in two days. Poor guy's working full-time and has a three-week-old three, three week old kid. So come on. Yeah, Be yeah, careful with yeah. what you're asking for. Oh, for sure, for sure. That's why when he bowed out, it wasn't it wasn't an issue or anything. Um, first of all, just checking in with you, Greg, like how, how everything is going with you, everything going with you with all this pandemic stuff, stuff still going. It's all right. It's uh, it's different. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm – not, like everyone else although you went you went to texas unfortunately you had to go but uh i'm not leaving la i'm here i'm with my kids uh and it's like at least work-wise it's like man training it just seems like suddenly is close you know this whole off season is like well we'll see what it's like when we get there and it's like now it's like okay we're five <laughs> weeks away that's we're almost there man and it's not looking great <laughs> it, it is and that's uh, that's a question i i wanted to start with is I'm still flummoxed that an NFL season is actually going to happen. I haven't been in touch with football for obvious reasons, um, you know, the last couple of weeks. But, like, something I read in Texas is, like, the like the Clemson football team, like, 23 of their players tested positive for coronavirus. And I'm just thinking, how is, how is it possible that any sport really is going to happen and, and take place? It, like – it just it's still baffling to me yeah we'll, we'll wait and see i mean I, i've got my doubts i'm following this like crazy i'm not like a news guy 
you know, I, I have been at different points in my life, like very into politics, other points in my life, not at all. But I am that person this this year, you know, between the coronavirus and then the protests and, and everything. I mean, I, that's all I do is read all this stuff. But so when it comes to when it comes to like the team's practice, like this has happened in colleges all over the place, like yeah. Kansas State, LSU, you know, the Bucks had a couple people and. And I keep coming back. Now it's like, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but it's like, what do we know? We don't know anything. My, my big thing is like, if, if the country doesn't have it under control, then football's not going to have it under control. Right. It's just part of the country. I, I don't, I don't think they're going to come up with some magic solution that makes it safe unless, unless cases are down all over the country and they're not, they're going up. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, you know, when the NFL is just so large and powerful, we just kind of figure they're going to figure this out. They're going to have some kind of protocol in place and everything's just going to be, you know, everything's going to be fine. But just the reality of the virus, how it works, it's just, it's just, I just don't see it, man. I, I see games happening. Every single person, person I've talked to, you know, kind of within the league or around the league, there will be football, but I'm like, one almost hundred percent sure there won't be fans there, and I don't know how long the season will be because we don't know what's going to come up during the season. You know, when a quarterback gets a quarterback gets coronavirus, right? You know, it's like it's like what? <laughs> well, how is this going to work? You know what I'm saying? There's there's a million different repercussions that you could come up with that no one has even thought about. And the NBA is going to get into it a little bit. Their situation is different, but they're going to be a little ahead of the NFL and, and baseball too. But not really because can't training camps basically opening when their games are opening. And like, it's not just like the, the players getting it. It's just, it, I don't even know, man. It's like, okay, they, the people you're talking to can be confident. What do they know? They don't know anything. Right. right. It's like this, there was this column and, you know, I like my old boss, Mike Florio at, at PFT, but he wrote this column like a month into it. That's like games will be played and fans will be in the crowd. And I'm thinking, you don't know anything right now. And and I think all that we found out the last few months is, you know, we know even less now. I mean, there's there's so many different questions about like, you know, even if you have the antibodies, are you OK? And until people change their attitudes, yeah. like if you want to help football, you know, you know, be safe. Like Tom Brady's not like we heard the Bucks are still practicing, even though a couple Bucks got coronavirus and they're wow. supposed to, the the NFLPA is telling them not to practice. They're still out there doing it by themselves anyway. So it's like the players aren't really listening. That, and it, that I hate to say, it, but I feel like that's a reflection. So kind of talking about the virus, just in terms of geographical, I was, you know, we, I'm out here in California, LA, whatever, just like you are. And it's a very different, you go to a store, most places you go to, people are wearing masks, what have you. As I made my road trip to Texas, the further I went east, like Arizona and Texas especially, you would have thought that nothing was going on in the world. Like everything was completely fine. Grocery stores, Target, people not wearing masks, people not really taking precautions, maybe some slight social distancing. And I was like, where, like, is this the wild, wild west? Like, this is precisely why this is not being controlled. And I think that just shows, like, the mindset of just 
I won't say arrogance, but just nonchalantness when it comes to everything. Right. Well, I, I heard, you know, someone who covers it speak to it well, which is like all the places that had it in a bad way then started taking it serious. And they're all in great shape right now. The Northeast, most of the Northwest, uh, even New Orleans. Like New Louisiana is a great example of it. New Orleans is in good shape right now, but the rest of Louisiana is starting to have problems. Because yeah. it's like New Orleans got scared straight. And like that's what's happening in the whole country. Texas, especially right now, seems like a, a big is, problem. And now their gov now their governor's finally saying like stay home. And it, you know, it it's late for that. And it's not the first. The, the thing that scares me too is the second wave. Like this is still the first wave going. But, yes. You know, Fauci yes. and the people that know think that the winter, when the flu season comes, is going to be worse. Uh, I keep saying that everybody like man, this second wave is something. <laughs> like I say, the second wave. You're still in the first wave, man. Like, come on. No, like first. Europe is they're, they're now going to, you know, if they have any things pop up, it's going to be their second wave because they got it under control. But, you know, the U.S. has 20% of the cases in the world. We have 4% of the population. Like, you know, we're, we're in worse shape than anywhere. I feel like, yeah. like we're still in the first half. Um, oh, depressing. <laughs> super, yeah, maybe we should move, actually talk about football things. Um <laughs> I do feel like I owe you not to cut you off, though. Um, you know, I had to get back on the Saints Twitter podcast quick. First of all, because you guys are showing me up having way better guests every week, way better conversations. <laughs> Ballsy, Clavon. I mean, you got some Cosell. You had some classic episodes. And then, two, I, ha I kind of owed you because Adam told me, it's like, oh, no, it's okay, man. You can, you can smoke. Uh, you know, don't worry. I was like, I don't know. You know, before we did the pot last time, it's like I was just rambling fool. <laughs> Greg was lit. <laughs> no, I wasn't lit, but okay. but I was, you know, it was not professional. You know? uh, that, was my, that was my favorite, one of my favorite episodes, man, because he was just like chilling, you know, he was just like chilling, one of the boys, you know. Um, love it. So you did this this series, or I know you're working on quarterbacks right now, but you did this series around back in terms of going through like NFL depth charts and. I thought like maybe something was happening at the network where you like felt like your job was in danger. Cause I was like, my man's bringing the heat. Like <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> um, and just, I mean, we just taking a step back when you did that, that piece, cause I don't want to make mm. this all about the saints. What is something that kind of just jumped out to you in general? All teams? Cause first I, I obviously I know a lot of your work and that for sure has been some of the best work I've seen you do. Well, look, Let's start with the Saints. Why not? Or that division. I mean, yeah, I do the projected starters. That That's what you're talking about every year. Right. And Love it. Love it. Yeah. Ryan's a big fancy. Ryan knew it. I did it every year. Adam's yeah. just like, oh, he's working extra hard this year. So I know you really haven't been on it. <laughs> uh, but that's one of my favorite things I do all year because it's kind of like the, the minute you can turn the page. Once the draft is done, you can turn the page from one season to the next, you can look at the rosters and most of them are 95% done. And to me, it's great prep to go through, put together what the starting lineups are going to be. And you start getting a feel of like what positions are good, like what teams are a little better uh, than you thought. And, you know, I came, I came away thinking just like the saints to start with them was, was the best roster in the league. I mean, that's not a, a, a huge hot take, but just their backups are better 
than a lot of people's starters at, at like a decent amount of positions. Like a, their O line to me, I think I, I think Warford was cut in the middle of me doing this, but either way, their O line is either the best or one of the two or three best. You you have Drew Kamara and Thomas and enough good guys behind them. You have you have Payton, and then you have the secondary, which I I like a lot. And I you guys know I believe in Marcus Davenport, so it's just like there's it's hard to find a weakness. You look at most teams and you find, you can find a couple pretty decent weaknesses and you, it's hard to find one on paper for the saints. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's kind of been one of the, uh, one of the off season things, everyone saying, Hey, saints, you know, saints have a pretty good roster. It's deep and it's great. And I'm like, thanks. You know, <laughs> of all years, <laughs> of all years, they have like a super deep roster. It's going to be this year. Right, but uh, yeah, but I like you know. I mean, I try to be as unbiased and objective when looking at our roster. And obviously, you could poke holes. You could say, okay, linebackers, there's some questions there with injuries or injury concern, or you know, the defensive line, Sheldon Rankins coming off an industry uh, in, injury, uh, Marcus Davenport coming off an injury. But overall, you know, when you look at it, it's like. You know, they could absorb a couple injuries and they won't right. be knocked down a lot of pegs. But I really enjoyed your, uh, you know, your roster projections because, you know, me following the Saints, you know, I follow the Saints and a lot of NFC teams. AFC, it's kind of hard because we just don't see them much on TV. So I love the, I love your articles because I could get a good picture of what's going on in the entire NFL because you dive into not just – I mean, with the starters, but kind of the names that you really don't hear about on the NFL Network all the time or ESPN or whatever. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I find it really valuable. I don't play fantasy play, I don't play fantasy football much, but, you know, not just for fantasy, but just to know, okay, what are these teams going to look like, you know, when we face them this year, you know, going into the schedule. Right. And, like, even – it just is a good, like, reminder sometimes, uh, like – doing the Texans, for instance, like everyone's all worried about you know, not that their receiver group is like that under the radar, but everyone's all worried. Okay. That, yeah, they're going to be terrible without Deandre Hopkins. And then, you know, you do this and you remember it's like, they got cooks, fuller Cobb and stills. Like they, they might struggle this year for whatever reason, but it's, to me, it's not going to be about their receivers. That's a good right. group. Like they'll have an injury or two there, and maybe they're not the best group in the world. So it's just like it's a good reminder. It's like okay, you can lose DeAndre Hopkins, but that's that's not their problem. Their problem might be you know defense, defense. secondary, yeah, uh, offensive line. Like they 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 could have a lot of problems. But to me, like that's not their problem. And then there's certain teams that you end up liking a little more after doing this. Like the Colts, to me, they put their team together the right way. They you know if Rivers can play, they. They look good on paper. The Raiders, I think, look pretty good on paper. But on paper only matters so much. Like, I remember doing this. It's like I think I said the Falcons had the best roster in the league three years ago, and the Eagles, you know, had the best one, one or two, you know. And what they, you know, yeah. they do, what they do with it. The NFL, it's, man. It's got injured. <laughs> um, so now you're working on quarterbacks, um, going through quarterbacks. Are you, like, are you ranking them? Like, what is your process of going through the quarterbacks right now? I'm trying to do something new, just looking at a bunch of the young quarterbacks. I'm not even sure how I'm going to do it exactly. But, uh, like, mm. Darnold, Locke, Baker, 
Kyler, basically the first and second year guys, but not okay. like Lamar. It's like Lamar won an MVP. I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, I wrote we're, we're yeah, good. I don't need to. Yeah, I, I wrote about him last year. So in the third, you know, the second and third year guys. I mean, um, Lock Lock has been my kind of biggest takeaway so far. That he he was a little better than I, I've been kind of down on him because I I saw a certain selection of his games, but I, uh, after watching him close, I'm 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 a little yeah. more excited about Drew Lock than I, than I was. Yeah, yeah, I watched I watched a little of him uh, before I did this end zone podcast last week. I watched very little of Drew Lock coming out and last year, so I was just like, let me just go in fresh eyed and see. But when I looked, I was like, okay, you know, like okay, you know. I mean, I can't say much because it was a small sample size, but you know, I I don't know where I, would you put him above Daniel Jones or about even? I kind of have him even. I gotta watch. I want to watch Jones, and you know, I watch them all during the year, like on Game Pass and stuff on the condensed. And I try to go watch every game, and I do about, but it's a little different than you know in the off season, like watching every play yeah. a couple of times, watching the coach's film, and yeah. right, you know, writing notes and just watching him. So my instinct would be he he I'd have him ahead of Jones because yeah, because Locke made his teammates better. He got better each week. And he had a ton of pressure. PFF has a stat of like the sacks you take, you know, divided by the pressure, the amount of pressures you got. Yeah, he was the best in the league at avoiding sacks. He oh. he avoided so many negative plays. I mean, and, and he made plays too, but he avoided negative plays when his line was terrible. Where, yeah, whereas they couldn't do anything with Joe Flacco. Yeah, in terms of like when you have Garrett Bowles as your, I mean, I watch Broncos games and he is really bad um but i would say <laughs> i mean he is it is what it is but i would say that in terms of success i would say i've been very critical of john elway in the past but they've put a lot around drew locked besides maybe o-line to be successful getting jerry judy um noah fant who had a terrible start to a terrible rookie season then just ballooned at the end of the, you know this you know his rookie season um Melvin Gordon, like that offense has a lot of potential and Cortland Sutton's an absolute stud. Um, so it's not going to be for lack of weapons. That's around. Lindsay, Lindsay's good and Fant's good. I mean, that's the thing. Once Locke was in there, Fant was better. Yeah. Yep. He even made Deshaun Hamilton, who didn't do anything, make some plays <laughs> at the end of the year. Like he made, he made his players better. And it, it really struck me watching him and Darnold back to back because you think Darnold would like create be able to create more because he's so athletic he is athletic and he has a can make a couple throws each game that just you know knock you out he's the type of quarterback i've been wrong about over and over again like cutler and henny and these guys who just make like three throws a game that you're just like damn like only six guys in the league can make that throw but he he doesn't create that well on his own it whereas Locke made a lot of plays i thought like on his own and on the move, and Darnold didn't. So, so are you kind? Of, so are you kind of down on Sam Darnold because he was a guy? Yeah, he was a guy I believed in. You know, coming out of USC, even while he was at USC, he was. I'm not a big college football guy, but like there are certain players that will make me watch college football, and he was one of them. Like if I saw a USC game, I'm like, okay, let me see what Sam Darnold doing. But uh, but it's kind of hard for me to differentiate what's the Jets and what's Sam Donald. So 
are you thinking like Sam Donald is kind of a problem or is it just the jet structure and all the stuff that comes with him? Well, it's hard to separate it. You know, that's fo- that's trying to watch football. Yeah. But uh, I think some of it's on him. And, and you're not going to be able to separate it, by the way, anyways. They right. still look terrible. <laughs> they still have Adam Gase. But he, even when he's clean, like he, miss, he misses a decent amount of throws. Mm-hmm. And, and his decision-making isn't that great. Like, that's the thing. Like, Locke, like, not to keep comparing those two, but, like, Locke made – made good decisions for the most part. And that's a different, like if you, the times you keep Darnold clean, like he'll mostly light you up, which means, okay, you're an NFL quarterback. That's, that's sort of like the baseline. There's like 20, 22 guys at all times. Like if you protect them, they'll light you up. But that was pretty much true of like, that's true of Andy Dalton. That's, that's almost true of like Blake Bortles, you know, Uh like that, you know, you're going to do that, but he's not like super accurate. And he's not like super good at making decisions. Like that's like the two things, you know, when you look at the little Belichick list of what he wants from a quarterback, those yeah. are his top two things. And he, I don't know. He hasn't been too good at that. He is young though. I mean, he's like younger than Locke. He's younger than Burrow. So that, you know, that you got to keep that in mind. What is kind of going away from the quarterbacks, getting back to your roster reset or your projected starter series. What's something when you, when you did the series this year, that kind of surprised you? maybe from mm. a team like a team that maybe surprised you for good or for for worse the raiders i like a little better they're kind of like the saints too like well, no not that's a little too nice but like i love i like their line i i used to dog on tom cable i mean there's a lot to dog on tom cable about <laughs> <laughs> offensive line coach by all accounts not a not a superhuman uh who was like making a lot of money with offensive lines that struggled but I don't know he did a pretty good job like their O-line played really well last year and on paper it looks really good and kind of like Denver they added a ton of ta- you know weapons uh around Carr and the de- and the defense makes sense to me like they got these two they got the two linebackers Littleton and Kwiatkowski they tr- they tried to add some people in the secondary it's just like their defense was so bad last year yeah. and it could just be it's kind of like the Saints you know if back in the day like if they can just get their average if they can just be average that's going to be such a big improvement i think their offense actually could be pretty good is i i still does Derek carr for lack of better word concern you though in terms of holding that team back yeah yeah he's i never i've never been too in on Carr. he seems kind of like that that dalton line of like He's just kind of like he's going to go with what's – you know, he's not going to lift the guys around him. He's just going to be a product of his team. So that that worries me. And their schedule's not easy either early. It does make you think that you might see Mariota at some point. Yeah, and plus just, just speaking to that defense, like that is not a division to be bad in defense. That's like true. It, it, it's like it's it just isn't, so – no, but they got like if you look at their okay, their safeties Randall, Demarius Randall, and Jonathan Abram, who was playing well last year. Right, pointers kind of like their slot corner. Trayvon Mullen actually played really well and was like kind of impressed me uh, as a rookie. He was like playing through like a separated shoulder at the end of the year when he didn't need to and was was competing. And uh, did they end up with they did they sign Eli Apple in the end? No, the Panthers did in the end. But, but yeah. they, right, they they signed him and then it, then it reneged or what have you. They, yeah, they picked, I, I've heard from some good sources that it was like 
I don't know what happened, but they pretty much used any excuse to fail his physical. What do you mean? Because it's like a bad meeting or something? I don't know. I don't. I, I really want to know what exactly happened. Like, did they like dig deeper into the film or something? Like, <laughs> it's like maybe they watched like two tapes. They watched them against like I don't know Chicago last year. Like, oh yeah, let's sign this guy. And then they watched. Him against like the Falcons or something. It's like, oh no, never mind. Well, something's <laughs> up. You guys are you guys are Saints fans. You hear all the, you know, whispers, and you watch I, the I, games. They didn't seem too interested in keeping Eli Apple, which yeah, I was all I know is about. all I know is like you could watch about five games, especially like when Drew Brees was out, and think, wow, this is a good starting safe, uh starting cornerback. Like if you watched them just in those games, you'd be like. This is a good quality starting cornerback. And then you yeah. can watch like four other games and be like, I don't want this guy starting on my team. You know, and I know he was injured at some point. I don't know right. what affected that or whatever, but you know, it's just one of those things. <laughs> yeah. It, he's yeah, maybe he's he's better as a depth guy. You're just reminding me though of like I know we we, we finished talking about Locke, but the the one thing I'm concerned about more of the Broncos because I talked to someone about how I was kind of excited about Locke. Hey, what do you think? I've been asking people what what they think about Locke. And people love him. But almost everyone, a couple people inside the league, their first response was like, yeah, but look at his coordinator now. When's the last time you saw Pat Shermer coordinate anything? (laughs) Have a good offense. And it's true. I've, I've sort of slept on that they fired the guy who was there now and Pat Shermer is their coordinator who's really one decent season the last like 10 years of teams he's been running was Case Keenum just kind of running around like with like a chicken with his head cut off and throwing it up in the air and it somehow working out for the Vikings back in like 2017 that, and that's about it for Pat Shimmer. that's his best offense was but he Keenum seems just running to, around. he seems to always roll that into a head, head coaching gig like right he gets head coaching he gets gig he gets coordinator I don't know what it is yeah it's like weird uh I back to quarterbacks. Uh, I was um, I was I told you I was doing that end zone podcast. Yeah, what's up with that? So what? Now you're now you're doing other pods. I mean, look, look at this guy. Look at you, my guy. This my guy Eric. He's a huge fan of you guys uh, at ATN, and he just kind of brought me on and just come on every now and then. But you know, we were doing this kind of roundtable discussion on quarterbacks rankings, and I was doing my rankings. And look, I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan. I, like I love watching him ball, but I was ranking, and I was I got like to like a section, and I had Aaron Rodgers and Dak still out there, and I just started wondering, like, if you look at like the last three or four years, of Aaron Rodgers, how big is the gap between Aaron Rodgers and Dak Prescott? And I'm I'm like I had to separate like my Cowboys, hey, you know, and just kind of look at Dak Prescott is what he's done how consistent he's been the last couple of years. Mm. Like, is there, I still put Aaron Rodgers above Dak Prescott. Like, I just can't do it. But is the gap that huge? No, I think I, I, I'd put Dak ahead of him. Wow. Point. Wow. I know it wow. feels crazy, but I it guess feels last, crazy. last year was the year for me, you know, yeah. for both guys, you know, I actually feel less sure about Dak in some ways than how, than what I'm talking about with, with Rogers, which is that, he, you know, he, he hasn't been the same level for like five years. And, he, and yeah. again, he's a guy who's going to make a couple unbelievable throws and he's still like a yeah. really good starter. 
but he's got this weird combination of like not take he doesn't like taking chances and that's good it, it's a little like Brady late in his career it's like he he just no matter what he does he's just gonna try to avoid a turnover and avoid an interception but but it, he hasn't been a top five quarterback for years. There's no way he was last year. And Dak was so good last year. Dak's been a little up and down too. I actually think he played great as a rookie and yeah. last year. His third year was not, was not good. And uh, so he's been a little up and down. But, I mean, he was great last year, and I think you got to take him. It's but the I think the most eye-opening game for me watching Rodgers last year was that second – Lions game, of course, the Lions blew. Um, and in that first half, like, he was just missing easy just throws for almost, like, three quarters. And then whatever, like, the the Packers win the game. But it was, like, stark of how much he was missing these passes. And they weren't even close. I don't know if you remember mm. that game, but I remember it pretty, pretty vividly because the Saints and playoff seating had such a huge implication. <laughs> Yeah. And, and the that, yeah, that that game changed the whole the whole it thing. Did. I mean, it, that game and the the Forty ers game, but yeah, that game, the Forty ers game, the the Seahawks game, that mm. the goal line, whatever. We this is revisionist history. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the Lions were starting like their third street. I can't even remember. It, it, was, it, was just, it was just he could get there. Like yeah. Rogers, he'll have like five games stretches where he's there but i don't think he's really been there consistently for the last three years that where like the top guys put together like an entire that's how i judge quarterbacks the best is like a 16 game schedule like that's the best way to judge them or 18 you know with the playoffs and he hasn't put together like a complete season like the top guys in a minute that's strange man like that's just weird the way he was like he was god with a football like it was like I was watching his highlights from like 2000 and I don't know 12 or 13 or something like that. And it was just like, man, it's the throws he will make, and he still makes those throws. But I, I, only reason I put him above Dak was because like he's still a guy with like one minute left in the game, for a quarter. Yeah, I trust him over Dak like every day of the week because he, I just trust him to make whatever throws that would need to be made. You know. <clears throat> Well, Dak, he kind of – I've seen Dak just kind of struggle with pressure late in games and kind of get caught and kind of run into pressure like he does at times, you know. Right, and he he, he he didn't look as good the last few – you know, right down the stretch at the end of last year. But the difference with Rodgers now is, like, man, his bad weeks are bad. I mm-hmm. mean, he was not he was not competitive in those games against the 49ers. The first one, it was, it was a little harsh. The, the, the whole team was bad, but, like, you know, if you're that level of quarterback, you, you you can't have four or five games like that a year where you're just kind of like a, a total non-factor. Um, what teams, like you said, the the Broncos, the the Raiders, kind of surprises. What about teams that you like in theory you would feel that would be better, but you kind of left taking like, Ugh, like I'm not too too sure about them, like their starters. Like, I always want to like the Falcons, which, you know, that's why I'm not really a – I'm obviously a fake Saints fan. If, if I always kind of – I've kind of – I've wanted – I've I've rooted for this Falcons team through this little run here, uh, especially after they, they blew the Super Bowl. I just felt like they 
they they blew the Super Bowl against like your Patriots. Um, by the way, I was thinking like they'd be a logical guy to a logical team to sort of bounce back, but oh, I'm frozen. Shoot. No, you're good. I mean, I can hear you. No, you yeah, were fro- You could hear me the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. Ask? Just keep talking. Why? Because you guys can't edit or what? <laughs> Ryan doesn't edit. What are you talking about? <laughs> you edit that at all? I know. Yeah. I didn't. Should I go connect it? I could hardwire. You're it. you're fine. This is a mom and pop operation. <laughs> you guys are frozen. We don't have uh, Erica <laughs> producing her pod. <laughs> <laughs> I could plug it in. You guys just go on like a long rant and I'll go, I'll go plug it in. No, but uh, I was talking same. like, I want to like this Falcons team more than um, more than I did after looking at it though. Cause like Jones Ridley, I kind of like Hayden Hurst, like in, in the O line maybe could be better that I like Matt Ryan. Like, I feel like they could be good on offense, but then I look and I'm just not convinced at all about the defense and I'm not convinced at all about Dirk Cutter. So I don't think y'all have much to worry about. No, I'm look. I'm willing to always look at, uh, especially the people that, like teams that are obviously you know the rival. I try to look at them unbiased, and like I want, I kind of want to believe, not believe in the Falcons, but just kind of think they're more than they are because, I mean Matt Ryan. I mean say what you want about him, he is a he was an MVP, you know, and he's a quality quarterback. Uh, Julio Jones. We could argue about if he's one, two, or three, or four. But obviously, any team game planning against him, he's going to be the number one, uh, uh, you know, opponent they're trying to figure out. So I, I just – I look at him like, they should be a challenge. And they're always a challenge against the Saints. But just overall, right. with their record, they should be a 10-plus win team. Just when you look at the roster, I'm like, it's not great, but it should be good enough to win 10 games. And I think they, you know, they might hit that, but we'll see. You know, with Ty Gurley, I think the running game is very important to Matt Ryan. I've always thought that Hmm. with him throughout his entire – I mean, it's not about, you know, do they have to be like a top five rushing offense? No, they don't have to be that. But, you know, I think it really helps him to play action, and I think it helps his vision and seeing the field. It helps everything. Uh, and I've always felt that even when it was with like Mike Smith or whatever. And uh, I think that's going to be key, especially with the offense, the offensive line. That's the number one key. I mean, if they, I, they've been trying to figure out the offensive line for so long, they've drafted, I don't, tried everything. I don't know I how that's Thomas Dimitro still has a job. Like, you know, this yeah. is kind of, this is the year. I don't think they will. I think, they partly kept Quinn because I think they wanted to if, if yeah. they clean him out at the same time. And so I think it they're going to let these two, these two first round offensive linemen. I mean, they, the right side of their offensive line were both first round picks last year or their center at, uh, and their right tackle or no, their guard, no, their, their guard. Right, yeah. Right tackle. It's like those guys have to play better in theory. In theory, they could be, they could be a fun offense to watch, but, but that's another team where you talk to, some people in the league and I think there's a thought of like is Dirk really up for it I think there's a thought like hey there's a lot of young smart innovative offensive coaches and they're not all young some of them are old like Sean Payton they're been around for forever like Josh McDaniels but but if you don't have one of those guys you better have unbelievable talent and 
Dirk Cutter is not one of those guys. Uh, I think, and you know, this is coming from like the biggest Todd Gurley friend coming out of Georgia. I've always been a huge fan of his. I just don't know if he has anything left to to give. Like he just is like I saw him a couple of games last season, and like it was just not the same guy. Like I got sad as a Todd Gurley fan just seeing him kind of struggle. So them relying on him and he may not be the same person could be a recipe for disaster as well. Yeah. I mean, he was running hard for a while last year, yeah. but he wasn't, he wasn't making anybody miss. And so yeah. he, then you're just another guy. I mean, to me, him being just another guy is, I almost would take that if I'm the Falcons, I'm, I'm worried he'll be worse than that, you know, that he'll get hurt or that he'll be like a bad starter. Yeah. Uh, when you look at it, yeah, yeah go when ahead. you try to just say, you know, okay, will he be a, just a quality starting running back? I think he could be that. I think it. But, you know, I mean, to expect what he was when he was coming out of Georgia, I think that's just going, which is I sad, mean, but, you know. I'd be, I'd be surprised if he was a quality starter. I mean, the Rams basically had to pay to give him away. This is a guy that yeah. they they're, they got egg on their face because of it. Yeah. You know, they he he had more billboards around LA than than Goff and and Donald. He was the face of the team. He was, he really was. I mean, yeah, for, sure. for he, sure. I mean, if anyone was, he was the face of the team. And I know people, you know, that work for that team, and all you know, they spent two years defending that contract, and then and then they they bounced them the second they could, even though they're eating money just to do it. They couldn't get, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. I mean, right? That that says it all. That a, they had to yeah. pay to get rid of him. I don't know. Um, so getting to your quarterbacks, is is Jerry Goff someone that you, you're watching or you've watched in your because I know he I don't know if he fits the criteria of what you're what you're looking for for young quarterbacks. I mean, I feel like I've watched yeah. I've watched them all, but Goff especially, I've I've always been sort of fascinated by trying to figure out who he is. Who he is. It's, right? It, yeah. He's still young, man. His, I, I, I think he's a guy who gets affected by pressure more than most. And they had, you know, PFF had him as like the thirty-first pass blocking team in the league. So they're all they're all about timing and play action. Obviously, they play action more than any team in the league, and uh, everything's timing, timing, repeating the same plays over and over. And when you have a bad O line, that just ruins it. I think if if you've got an even de- halfway decent offensive line, I think he's an asset. I think he's like a top 10 to 12 quarterback, you know, whose highs are real, really good. I mean, he, he's had some, he's had some games that are pretty impressive. I think he's a solid starter, but he's not going to be that like top five guy ever. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, PFF had a stat where I don't know. I mean, we can argue about PFF and how they, how they uh, come up with their, you know, their, their, their numbers, but, it was something like after after Jared Goff's first read, he was like thirty second in the league in right. quarterback ranking. <laughs> However, they came up with that. I was like, okay. okay. You know, <laughs> how, do you, how do you calculate that? <laughs> yeah, but even I guess you could relate that to you know offensive line play. If you know if you you know you standing in the pocket for past two point five seconds. You go into your second and third read, and if he had a bad offensive line, you know, obviously that affects his throws. Obviously, I think it's more than that, but it is interesting, you know, the, his system that he has set up around him 
you know, with uh, McVeigh, you know, in his ear and stuff like that. I always wanted to know, like, you know, how much is it is to that? Or is that kind of like a Twitter trope, you know, that, you know, McVeigh is just telling them what to do <laughs> every snap or whatever, you know? I mean, I can – so Greg and I were both at the Saints game in L.A. two years ago at the Coliseum. You're at that game too, right, Greg? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you were there. And – you, it is very noticeable when Goff is on offense that McVeigh, for sure, at least up to that point, was taking up to the 15 seconds and telling, kind of telling him, like, what, like, yeah, it, it, like that's not a trope, like, it's, it's no, like, it is, like, you can watch it and see it, like, that is not something that's, that's made up. That was the game where it was like, I swear, the late afternoon, people sleep on the late afternoon sort of mist in the dew. People start slipping on that field. And then guys with arms like Breeze, it starts showing up. Like that air starts getting yeah. a little too thick for Drew Breeze. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a tough place to throw in the late afternoon. Whereas Goff, people love Goff. People like McVeigh love Goff because, look, McVeigh's dad came up, you know, running the 49ers. When, when Goff, like, hits his foot, and it hits you on time, like you said, two and a half seconds. It looks more like Joe Montana, but with a little bigger arm now, because you know it's thirty years later than anyone else. Like he does hit dudes in strides, and he makes some tough passes. That's why I think people were a little wrong about last year about how bad he was. I think he was just, you know, average or a little below average, which is not what you want out of a number one overall pick. So that that's a big disappointment. But you could tell people weren't watching the games because there was like four or five games where, man, he made five crazy – like he made as many crazy good throws last year as he did in any of the other years. But it was just like the offense yeah. was a mess and they couldn't, they couldn't keep it going. He can, still, he can still make some pretty great throws. Speaking with that same draft class, Ryan and I have this conversation all the time, like this just fascination about Carson Wentz, like – <laughs> that same question of who is Carson Wentz obviously he's been more effective with the injuries than Goff has been but I think it's an interesting conversation to bring up of like who he is as a quarterback yeah he's been tough because he doesn't get to have like a he hasn't been in a great rhythm where he's played a bunch of games in a row healthy with the same players either he gets hurt or the players around him are getting hurt so yeah. I think that. I think that's part of it. I think he's shown you enough where he's like resourceful that you can, you can ride with him, you know? Yeah. I came away. I was questioning him up until last year. And uh, even though last year wasn't his greatest year, I, I kind of felt better about him after last year. Hmm. Like just with those, you know, with all the injuries they had and throwing a white side. Yeah. I mean, and he was making it work, man. Like, when I watched him again, I was like, he's going to be all right. Before right. that, like before last year, I remember when the Saints played him in 2018. And, you know, they beat the Eagles pretty bad during the regular season. And I just remember looking at his eyes and he just looked kind of, I don't know. It was like it was too much for him. Like I was like, spooks. I don't know. If Claybon yeah, was I, on this, he'd be like, what did you see in his eyes? Yeah, what exactly did you see? <laughs> I think it's a fair question. I don't know if I buy this eyes treatment. Yeah, and it's fair. It really is fair. It's, but that's just me, you know. To but, Ryan's point, when Peter King did like his his Monday morning quarterback whatever column, where he was embedded with the Saints before they played the Eagles, John Payton's game plan defensively was to put it on Carson Wentz. 
which it's mm. not it's not something you you hear a lot, you know, from an opposing coach that you know, I'm going to dare the other starting quarterback to to beat. Now, what team. year? Now, what year was this? This was 2018. Uh, yeah, so hopefully he's developed mentally. You know, that's the thing yes. is quarterbacks they're all they're all developing mentally at at some at faster paces than others some come in faster but man that's the hugest thing there is even Mahomes was talking about who's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen saying man I couldn't really read a defense (laughs) I mean he's exaggerating of course he could read like defenses in a way that we couldn't but he's he's feeling like okay now I'm starting to unlock like the next level of like if they're doing this I can do this and this you know and like really understanding what they're doing you know which is absolutely insane (laughs) right and that's my home so so here's what Wentz you guys got me thinking kind of like he is a tough one because I use like I love guys who are accurate and he's not super accurate like and so that feels that always feels like you're gonna have to overcome a few things but he does seem like a guy you can ride with in the way that like McNair was and McNabb maybe I think guys that are physical, you know, and kind of figure they can figure it out and find a way. And those guys also like they get, as they've been in the league longer, they'll figure out some more things to, you know, I I think he'll be like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's spot on. It's, it's, oh man, quarterbacks is just so weird because I mean, look at Tannehill. I mean, it's like, you will you you don't even have him figured out after like six years. You don't really know, you know. It's like you really don't know what you have. I always <laughs> right. wonder, like, what would RG three be like if he just oh, stayed healthy? Oh my god, my if he guy. just stayed healthy. You know, what would he be? I mean, would he be out the league? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. The fact that the Shanahan's didn't, although I guess he wasn't healthy, but I mean, uh, that was part. I don't know because, them like, being them being my... down on him made me down on him. Uh, if they were kind of selling that he was going to last for long, then I guess I'm buying yeah. what they're what they're saying. I mean, I'm just going to preface it by saying like they made him play a playoff game with like a torn <laughs> ligament in his knee. So like, on a stinky leg, he was on a stinky leg in a playoff game. <laughs> let's not let's not the hands completely here. No, that was messed up. That was messed up. That was a bad game. But he's in the league now, you know, and obviously he didn't. He hadn't done enough in his backup role to just kind of open eyes. I mean, look at Teddy. You know, Teddy, say what you want about him, but he's done enough to, you know, get a little starting gig, you know, at least temporarily. Well, you know, and I, you know, so <laughs> he he's someone. I mean, I love Teddy, so I'm biased. I've always been rooting for him, and I've always thought he could be a good player, and I still do. And even if he wasn't that Im- impressive with the Saints last year, he he was kind of doing what was being called for on, on some level and what's going to be called for in Carolina is going to be throwing it 45 times a game with a lot of people to throw to. I mean, they've got a lot of people to throw to. They got McCaffrey. I like DJ Moore. They got Curtis Samuel. My, my biggest takeaway watching Darnold was man, Robbie Anderson. That was a hell of a contract push. He still didn't get a huge contract, but no, he didn't. He was awesome at the end of last year. It was, it was catching, catching a bunch of, bad Darnold passes uh and their line isn't bad either but they got Okung they got Taylor Mo like and hopefully Matt Rule is kind of a fun you know for you know hopefully for me a fun offensive coach and it wouldn't surprise me at all if like Teddy is a top 10 you know fantasy type quarterback just yeah, like putting I, I up some stats yeah I mean they're, they're I gonna have to just in terms of that that offense because that defense 
And people say he can't throw deep. It's like he I don't know. Maybe he doesn't try to, but he could throw deep at Louisville. He he has thrown deep. He could throw deep when he was with Minnesota. It's like he should be able to. He has a nice arm. Yeah, one of the best throws in the Saints offense like this last season. Like I think it was against Tampa or Chicago, one of them. This is one of the best throws by any quarterback, you know, quarterbacking for the Saints. So I mean, it's just, you know, there was just it was I, I screamed it 20 times in my living room. Pull the trigger. Like, pull the right, trigger. Like, right. It wasn't great, that. though. Yeah, yeah I, I can't lie. It wasn't great. But I'm hoping he's a little bit like Alex Smith, who he has been yeah. compared to, where if he finds the right place kind of mid-career, uh, he could he could do some things. And then, you know, after Alex Smith was with some good coaches, people were like, all right, Alex Smith. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was a starting quarterback, and he was doing pretty good with the Ripped Ravens. your heart out, Adam, in person. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> really, Greg? <laughs> Someone that I've broken bread with? <laughs> I mean, get over it. It's been like a decade. No. It, it, it really doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, I think what bothers me is thinking, like, I paid nearly $200 to, like, feel that pain. Yeah. Uh, and I think about now, like, when – and people, when they're not going to be doing it now, but people who spend insane amount of money to see their favorite team play regardless of what sport and they lose in heartbreaking fashion. Right. I mean, you've had so many other heartbreaking playoff losses since then. You would think you would forget all about that one. <laughs> Anyone who's listening to this podcast who's a Saints fan is just going to block Craig immediately. Immediately. this guy? we got to get the unfollowed from Ryan. <laughs> Never, never. Um, I mean, we've we we I mean we could talk about football forever. When going through like your the rosters, did the Ravens or well the Chiefs and the Ravens, you know, being the jewel of the AFC? Um, any any surprises? Just because we don't really mm. talk about the AFC very much, that stood out to you? Hmm. About those two teams? Or no, just about the AFC in general. I. Lo- Look, I like uh, – man, the AFC North is tough. I like Cincinnati's weapons. They should be a lot better. Like, they they were like the best 2-14 and 14 team ever, which is a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but they really were, man. They were ahead in, in the second half of like eight of their losses or something crazy, a lot of one-score games. And that was with, that was with no one at quarterback uh, for a lot of the year. Uh, I like their team. And then, like – I, I'm always wrong about the Steelers. Always. <laughs> I'm, I always overrate them. but And so I'm not going to this year. But, man, that that's the best defense Mike Tomlin had in a decade. Yeah. yeah. And it's young and it's awesome. That might be the best front seven in terms of their top five players mm-hmm. in the entire NFL. And they had a Sign good set. Cam Newton. Right. <laughs> right. And I, and I kind of – I love Deontay Johnson, who's um, – who's going to be the second receiver behind Juju or, you know, they've got, they got enough guys for Roethlisberger to throw to. If Roethlisberger is all right, like that, 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 that division my... is wild. That division in the NFC South, those are the two best divisions. That was going to be my question to you is every, everyone's still like, Oh, well, Ben's going to be like, this guy is coming off like a shoulder. Like he's not like super into like, taking care of his body. Like I, it, people just make it like a foregone conclusion. Like Ben's going to come back and, problems offensively are gonna be solved, but and I'm I'm not so sure about that. No, I'm not either. I mean they got but they got like this guy Chase Claypool who's a freak. 
in the draft. Yeah, Notre Dame. They got Eric Ebron now too, and Van- with Vance McDonald. Like I don't know. That's that's that. Every one of those division games is gonna be tough. But yeah, Ben. Ben's a wild card because he could be a top five or six guy. That's the thing with Rodgers. Like I, I don't even rule out with Ben or Rodgers. If if Tom Brady can throw, Tom Brady can throw in maybe the best two two year stretch of his career at thirty nine and forty. I know he's a freak and he's Tom Brady, but it yeah. just makes me think. Who knows? Maybe Rodgers or a guy like Ben can throw in throw in a crazy good year. Yeah, is is Cam is is Colin Kaepernick going to get signed before Cam? No, I really don't want to think that, man. I don't know, bro. Unequivocally, I hope. I mean, even though that'd be weird and that wouldn't make any sense either. Uh, I I hope so because Cam's getting back, and I mean, Cam's going to be in the league this year. I'm not really worried about. That, we sure? So. Are we sure? Like, I don't know, man. Like, this is weird. It is weird. I don't really have an answer for it. I mean, I, I, I don't think there's any chance the Patriots are signing him, but, uh, mm. but I would love it if they did, you know, let's fly. Like, let's, let's, let's see what happens with Josh McDaniels and cam. It, it, part of me thinks may, you know, maybe if he's still sitting out there the first week of August, I mean, Belichick loves a bargain. It just, I just, I don't, I could maybe, maybe have earlier bought like, okay, he has the, the lens Frank. He had the shoulder injury. So maybe Kings can't bring him in to whatever, but like at this point, like I I don't know what it is. Like it's 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 baffling. Maybe maybe it's him and his team. Kind of you know he never got any great offers to start, and he's just kind of laying low. It's yeah. It's the pandemic. He's waiting for yeah. camp to start. Might see who's. He's just in no hurry, waiting you know to get a hundred percent and see yeah. if a, a spot opens up but he was playing really well under uh under scott turner and uh scott turner's running the redskins so that that's definitely one team i yeah. kind of keeping an eye on because i don't know how married they are to haskins speaking of players sitting out there you saw we they're still clowny they're still everson griffin which i completely forgot about except like earlier today i was like oh shit like he's still a free agent um and then you you read, I think Mike Silver reported that like the Ravens and, and Seahawks are having like internal discussions of signing Antonio Brown. Just like there's still some quote unquote like big names out there in free agency in this completely dead period that's going on right now. Right. Clowney and Cam are two of the biggest, maybe the two biggest names in free agency period. Yeah. And they're still out there. Um it's it's nuts. I mean Clowney will Clowney's a, a top, you know, 15 defensive end or whatever. Like, he, he has to be on a team. There's a couple guys like Antonio Brown and Josh Gordon and Randy Gregory is another one uh, where you're kind of yeah. thinking, thinking, okay, well, they're in different c- scenarios. But Antonio Brown is like – they got to find out his suspension. That's why he's not on a yeah. team. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's going to get suspended. Josh Gordon and Gregory are ending their suspensions, but they need to get – cleared stated right and then mm-hmm. someone would give gordon a job gregory is on the cowboys but they're hoping that he gets reinstated so i just wanted to bring this up and i was gonna do it when patrick was on the pod but I, maybe it's just me but you like even tell me that you guys were gonna go full uh, we're full gonna we're, we're gonna yeah man we're gonna yeah it's we'll, we'll set it up but like all this past like i don't want to say fake love that the nfl did over this past juneteenth of like 
oh, well, now we're going to, like, observe Juneteenth as, like, a, a day off. And, like, as, like, a black man, I'm like, Juneteenth was, like, Juneteenth was here last year. It was really, like, why is it just this sure. now, like, all, like, oh, now we're going to observe this this day off, like, uh, climate of what's going on in the world. Just, I understood the sentiment, but it, I just felt like it kind of came off as, as pandering that, yeah, I totally get that. I understand. I mean, it's going to be, you know, I, how could you not think that? I guess yeah, I mean, it, it, it was much. in it, and it's a, a lot of corporations everywhere. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not, not just, just the, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's not just the NFL, but it, it is interesting because, you know, I, you know, I, I've learned more about Juneteenth certainly this year than, than I knew yeah. before. It's like anything I knew before was from the episode on, on Atlanta. That, I don't know if you remember yeah. that episode. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that actually Juneteenth sort of become more nationally prominent over in, in the history of our country whenever there's protests whenever right. there's civil rights movements so the same thing happened in the 60s and the 90s too that juneteenth uh-huh. kind of became more yeah. of a thing um around the rodney king uh yeah and so you know that's sort of disappointing because then it then it starts fading away i will say though not to like go on too much but i was on those calls i was on that call where you know Roger Goodell and was, you know, spoke with the whole media, not just the media group, the entire company and uh, Steve Weish and MJ Acosta, who are great, uh, were hosting it. And there were these panelists who were, who were great and talking about what companies can do, you know, and, and talking about the black experience and, and racism. And I mean, Goodell was taking some, taking some questions from from the inside that's like people who had been at the nfl for 30 or 40 years i mean no one's ever seen anything like that that is for sure i mean it was just it's different i mean everything around this time is different but you're right Right. adam like i don't know like is this just gonna fade back and feel like it was a pr thing like we'll see i'm not gonna yeah count on it (laughs) yeah it's kind of like with the breeze thing you know a lot of people when he apologized like twice and all that stuff, you had your segment of people that were like, whatever he had to say that he was feeling the pressure. And you had some people that were like, Oh, you know, he's just, you know, he's trying to come to terms with what's going on. We don't know. We don't know what's going on in Drew Brees' head or whatever. You know, we can only see his actions moving forward. And it's going to be the same thing with the NFL and a lot of these corporations. I can guarantee Probably the majority of them, uh, you know, what I what we call what I call woke capitalism, is just <laughs> they're making a long term <laughs> forecast on you know we're hedging our bets. Who are we who are we going to ride with? Who drives the culture? You know who who is going to push this thing forward? All my life, it's kind of been a progressive push on the culture of America. You know, so we're seeing that and the corporations have always rolled with that, you know, from, because if you go look at a marketing team of your random top uh, Fortune 500 company, it's not 50 or 60 year olds. It's guys younger than me. It's 20, 25 year olds, guys coming straight out of college, you know, who've, you know, who've experienced very different things from older people 
So, you know, we, you're going to see that reflected in their marketing campaigns. So it might seem like they're kind of, you know, just trying to ride the wave, and they are, but, you know, that could have a positive effect because, you know, they are a part of the culture. If whether you want it or not, they are part of the culture that pushes things forward. So, you know, when you see Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, people pushing for equality and all these popular brands, it becomes normalized within the culture. And, you know, maybe there are some changes. Maybe not. I don't know. You know, we just, you know, this is a whole experiment. We don't know where this thing leads. But, yeah, I've I just been kind of sitting back and I just kind of find it all interesting. And the NFL is kind of, it has a funny position because they have to kind of navigate because you got, you know, you have your kind of, you know, your, your old school guys that just love football. They don't want to deal with politics when they watch football. But let's be honest, politics and race and culture and all that stuff has always interfaced with football. You know, and we talk about a league that didn't even allow black it didn't even allow black players at one point and then that, you know, so this has always existed. So, you know, this is something they just have to embrace, you know, and I, I'm glad to see they're at least trying, you know, even if it's you know, even if it's a calculated position they're taking right now, we'll see where it leads, you know, hmm. down you know, down the line. What do you think, Ed, watching this from the NFL perspective? I just, part of me, like a small part of me understands it, but like I think like the PR train from the NFL and just teams have been like full blown. So first it was like the ob- observation of Juneteenth. And then you have Pete Carroll was like, oh, I have all these regrets about not signing Kaepernick. And then it was like the Ravens of like, like everyone has like these, I don't know, regrets or whatever, all of a sudden. Like, Kaepernick's been in a, out of league for a while. And, like, all of a sudden now these there are these regrets. And, you know, I know – and I, I – you know, I even remember as the Kaepernick thing was happening and as he was in the process of getting blackballed, um, I remember listening to an episode, you know, of, of your guys' podcast and – for like a small period of time, like Chris Wessling, like just didn't believe like he was being blackballed. And like, that's something that me and Ryan had kind of discussed like offline. It's like, like, no, like he absolutely like it is. And I think maybe that's just because we're black men and we understand, I don't want to say like game, but like we understand what it is. Um, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's something that will allow them to open their eyes and, really truly address because majority of the league is african-american like 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 that's who runs the league in terms of players now we can talk about gms and coaches and that's a whole completely different conversation but well right and i do think like when like uh the line in goodell's statement that he made after the players you know sent that video where he said we wouldn't have a league without black black men or you know, black players. I I do think Goodell is in, I mean, he's in a fascinating spot, but <laughs> it, <laughs> so Goodell is, is the NFL, but Goodell is also not the owners. And so right. I, I, I do think Goodell doing a video like that and, and you know, some of, 
some of what he's done internally. It's like, okay, he, he's in one spot, but it, look, he even said he encouraged on, you know, someone to sign him. And I, I, I believe him on that, that, cause I think he understands what I, what I said on our podcast three years ago, I really did three or four years ago was no matter what you, what you think, what the owners think, it's not just like, okay, you could, you could be on the right side of history because already it was clear they were going to be on the wrong side of history then, which is that, that it'd be good for the NFL. Yeah. If just, just bottom, bottom line, if you wanted to be just talking about money or talking about your fans, like it just would be good. It'd be good for the NFL. <laughs> so if you take, take away everything else, like back then that would have been good for the NFL because people still wouldn't have this image. Like this is a story when this happens, like my brother who doesn't, know anything about football he was like hey it was good to see the nfl doing this and a bunch of people that like don't really know like this is how they know the nfl in yeah, some ways right it's like that racist league that blackballed kaepernick and so now they all think that they're gonna get kaepernick back and i'm like well i don't know that's up to an owner and uh i wish you you would think so you know one of them would just like be like yeah just do it man like just do, it do it and like give him too much money like just yeah. so that it's not even an issue. Just be like, I'll give you five million. It's like or whatever, whatever to just, just give it to him. I mean, the 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 money people have on their on their salaries for for terrible players in this league every year <laughs> on every single on every single team. People are always like, well, it's a salary cap. You can't just like throw away money. It's like the Patriots have tw- the Patriots are the best run team in the league. They got twenty three million on their cap right now for people that aren't on the team. You know Brady and Antonio Brown and Michael Bennett—they got like three million on for Michael Bennett. You know you can't. I swear the Saints are still. The Saints are the Saints are still paying Jerry's bird. I'm telling you, like <laughs> somewhere on the county, he's still like five hundred thousand. So so it really is fascinating because you know someone put this. You know Jim Trotter tweeted out that that ah, man what a high percentage of Trump's biggest donors were NFL owners. I think it was like nine of his top 16 or something like that. Nine which is not, which is not shocking at all. At all. Okay. At all. No, you know, Stephen Ross has been and so you, you, and some of, you know, some have been more quiet than others. And you think about that. And then you think about what this season is going to be like, cause it's not going away and it's that part of it's fascinating. But I do think to what you were saying, Ryan, about like whether there is some positives here, I, I, I do. And it's man, it's slow. Like things progress slow, but uh, I don't know. Even people, people like me, like we're, we're four white dudes doing a podcast talking about mostly black men. And like, I've always been aware of that. And, but maybe it's, maybe, you know, everyone should be a little more, maybe like just people are like a little bit more aware of that you know, and, and hopefully people are more aware of that. And, and more to the point, like on the Goodell stuff, uh, on the Goodell, uh, you know, internal sort of call yeah. thing. Like one of the things that the panelists said immediately was like, the number one thing you can do is take care of your business, take care of yeah. your house, look at what's going on in your company and the people that are making decisions in your company. And hopefully like everyone that's been through this, whether they're at, a lower level or at a high level are thinking about that a lot more than, than maybe they were, hopefully, who knows. And I mean, we we're on a different subject regarding football, but I think it's fascinating that you brought up um, like 
kind of, I won't say, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just kind of being ignorant of like what June, Juneteenth is, you know, you were born, you were born and raised, you know, in Massachusetts, you spent some time in, you know, Louisiana for college, um, in New York, and then you've been out here. I think I hit all the places. I might, may, may have missed a couple. Um, I was born and raised in Texas. So Juneteenth, and I've even had this conversation out, you know, with Ryan offline, Juneteenth in Texas was a huge thing. Like it's right. a huge celebration. And I always remember that ever since I've been here, and I've been in California like 16, I won't say like 16 years this month actually, um, like it is not celebrated the same way whatsoever. Like it, it's just it's just different geogra geographically of how it's viewed. Um, and you're not the first person I've, I've spoken to that was like, I talked to someone, you know, this week that was like, I didn't even know Juneteenth was even a thing until this year, which like as a person, like, <laughs> oh. blew my mind. Um, like, I'm not surprised. I mean, look at the, I mean, that's another all. thing you would hope is going to change is like, you know, how they're teaching history. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. I, someone sent a tweet that, that was great. This author I follow was a Vietnamese guy, but he was saying how, like, if you look at the bestseller list right now, that bestseller list is basically like the country is taking a course in in black studies and history <laughs> that that the major colleges would never even offer because they would think it or require that they they would think it would be too radical. And he says, <laughs> including my college, USC. So he was like putting his name on it, you know. And it's it's kind of you know it's true. Even even like the supposed liberal institutions like that it's like yeah they're not requiring that they're not necessarily teaching it um well i want to touch on this and we'll get you out of here because we've been talking forever we could talk forever but you brought it up in terms of you know salary cap and i always say that salary cap is a social construct um <laughs> uh, it's good i know i never heard that that's good but with this upcoming season, like there's going to be some ramifications for an extra salary cap, whatever. And like, how could that play out in terms of affecting teams and which upcoming, like the salary cap not going up as much as projected and, and what have you? It could definitely scare some teams into spending a little less. I think it's going to be overrated, though, in terms of, like, fans. Like, well, they can't sign Jamal Adams because, you know, the salary cap might get down. It's like, yeah. it's like, I don't know, maybe. I mean, what what's the worst-case scenario, I guess, that it goes down, like, 10 million or something, 20 million? I mean, that, that would be significant. But even then, that's, like, that's, you know, 5 to 10%. Which uh, again, if you look at these teams' rosters, like you can find a lot of fat to be cut out. I mean, your boy, your boy Mickey Loomis doing the jujitsu <laughs> financially, he's always figuring it out. I don't. If if this happens, I don't know what. I, I can't wait to see what Loomis is going to do, man. Because this is good for the Saints, actually. I swear. You think so? I don't know. Because <laughs> they got they got Loomis. No one else. You know he. <laughs> He's he always finds like those millions, you know, in the corner, you know, in the yeah. couch cushions or whatever. Oh, it's, it's gonna be a one million base pay, you know, four year contract, two years opt out, like ghost years. <laughs> I wrote, I when I was at PFT, I was writing articles like, well, these saints, they can't keep kicking the can down the corner. It's really gonna come back to get them sometime. It's like 
That was like 2010. <laughs> a decade later. For real. So I, I, I mean it though. I think the smart teams like the Rams and the Eagles, I would throw them in there too. And they're a little more like known for being analytical than the Saints are. But I think the Saints are in their own way financially. It's like, I don't think they worry about the cap like that at all. They, they spend it to the max and they know they can just like figure it out when, when they get there. Once I figured it out, once I figured out, it's all about cash, man. Like, if the NFL owner is about up in the cash, it doesn't matter. It's, I mean, it's all it's, the rest is accounting tricks. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all it is. But if your owner can up the cash and doesn't care, who cares? You know. I I am curious though what it'll you know these TV deals are coming up and. Oh man. Right. I I think people have. I th- I've been kind of a. I don't know what you would call it, a bear. Like I've been like, I still think like people aren't wrapping their head around the pain, you know, all the impact of, of yeah. this pandemic, there, you know, ec- so economically, many, uh, economically, you know, that's so, many, why I like, un- so many consequences that we just can't see. Right. But like the, the one that I feel like you, you should be able to see is like that the economic pain is going to be so so long lasting that it's not mm-hmm. just like hey everything's gonna be better next year mm-hmm. no like a person that potentially could buy a cheap ticket to go like maybe because they lost their job or got laid off like you know they're even if things improved in terms of being able to go to games that's assuming that people are going to even be able to afford to go to games or even afford to have like maybe espn or nfl network to even watch games it's so it's so far-reaching right I'll, you know and then i mean it just affects affects everyone it affects the advertising like yeah it, it affects big businesses i think it's just been we, we've kind of still been in this bubble because like you know rich people don't care because the stock market's been going up and and th- i read something how like you know poverty's actually improve like the level of poverty is improved because everyone got those stimulus stimulus <laughs> it's not a joke i mean it's like yeah. so for money. now I, I don't think that i don't think the pain is totally hit because the government's you know put so much money in. i mean i'm not some economic it's drying expert. up just man it's i just feel up. like i just worry about the fall and the winter and and yeah you know. one of my uh favorite things just to uh, beat on you a little bit I don't know. It was an episode a long time ago, and you walked right into a stereotype. You being mm-hmm. a you know a young Jewish a young Jewish man, and I think it was uh we, the Raiders were on hard knocks, and one of the players was trying to teach the other players about compound interest. Yeah, Carl Nassib, right? Was it? Yeah, Nassib, and you were like, we learn. I mean, you learn about that in seventh grade. I mean, <laughs> not like he was teaching anything. I'm like, Greg just walked into a stereotype. <laughs> I'm a young Jewish man, <laughs> but nobody got on you about it. I just thought that was hilarious, man. <laughs> and I don't even know if you realized. <laughs> uh, I I probably did, yeah. No, my my wife always comments on that. She's just like, uh, I don't even want to get into it, but <laughs> but just like yeah, because I'll because I'll just talk to my kids about money like real like like anything else it's just money people get so weird about about money so i i explain like how money works is that this you know we don't just get to live in this house just for fun 
like daddy's <laughs> got to write these articles so, like that gives us the money and then you, you know you tell them, all, tell them how how it all works she's like we were she was like we weren't having these conversations in my house you know when i was a kid <laughs> um we're gonna get you out of here man uh it's been a pleasure talking with you um any, any i mean i know you have your your quarterback articles coming out anything else that you have coming out you know on the way article wise no, we got we got the friday uh nfl show this week we got a couple more this summer we'll see hopefully they bring us and have us do it during the year but we're on at 6 p.m friday and a bunch of replays on nfl network yeah yeah so if yeah. you have it if you have nfl network watch watch the show support them uh and we'll be podcasting straight through usually like i'd be taking i was gonna go to japan for three weeks uh nope i was gonna go to the olympics that's where my in-laws live i had tickets to the olympics but uh now i'm not taking any time really so we're <laughs> no. we're we're doing podcasts straight through no time off <laughs> is training camp supposed to start in july like is that supposed to happen Yes, same dates as normal. So July 28th is everyone's supposed to report then. I, I think they're, they might adjust it. I wouldn't be surprised if they got rid of the Hall of Fame game and so that those two teams aren't coming in a week early. But technically, they're supposed to come in a week before that. All right, well. I mean, they got to get got, rid of a fifth preseason game. Give me a break. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> out of here, out of here. My last one for you, Greg. I, I know you went to Tulane. And you spent a little time in New Orleans. We have a lot of New Orleans listeners. I just wanted to, what, you know, what was your experience in New Orleans? What this was back in the early two thousands, you know, pre Katrina. Mm -hmm. What was your experience back then, uh, you know, uh, in New Orleans? I mean, that's too long of a. That's too long of a you know answer. I could hit that in a million different ways. Yeah, I was a freshman in ninety seven. I graduated in oh one. I love New Orleans. I always thought I was going to move back. I you know I was definitely in that Tulane bubble that like everyone in uptown like hates Tulane students and like I get I get why they hate Tulane students you know I, by the end of it I realized you're sort of you're sort of in that bubble but uh man I just I loved everything about it I loved the the feel of it it was a little I feel like it was a little da you know a little dangerous yeah. a little dangerous then that was <laughs> a little bit I'm just saying, uh, I don't want to get crazy, but uh, yeah, that, but especially that time, I feel like it was yeah. also, I mean, there's been plenty of other times, but that, that late nineties, uh, oh yeah, it was something you had to, you had to know it was up, but man, I, I love, I love New Orleans, like the food, the attitude, the people, I just started talking slower. It just chilled me out to, to live in New Orleans. Yeah. So that, well, that was during the Sean King heyday, mm -hmm. right? I did I did student television uh for our football team. Oh so shit. not uh it was not the undefeated year. Like the student TV stopped doing it that year, which is un oh. unbelievable. <laughs> but the year before when they were they were pretty good, but it was Sean King. Uh but yeah, I was like the color the color announcer on the on the student television where they would just like replay the game uh during the week and stuff Moeldy Moore man <laughs> those teams were good man I mean yeah. that's you want to talk about systemic racism I mean how about hiring Chris Selfo uh over Rich Rodriguez uh mm. man oh <laughs> and he called him out for it too he said Tulane was just a bunch of racists he said it 
at the time. Damn. It was a big story to me. No one else cared, but that was a crazy, crazy story. Mm. Well, Greg, we, I mean, if uh, hopefully they, I mean, it's been an hour and a half, so if the kids aren't up now, <laughs> hopefully they won't, they won't be up. Uh, so hey, you're the host. You got to stop me from talking or keep this going. You know, absolutely not. That's not, not how I, how I do things. Uh, follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Rosenthal. Um, read Effective Starter Series. Um, the upcoming article dropping about uh, quarterbacks. Read that. Um, I do read your work. Thank you very much. You know, calling me out like I, I don't read your work often. That, that's complete. I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't feel like no one's reading articles on the internet anymore. It's a dying breed. <laughs> you got to tweet it, man. Like, nobody surfs the internet anymore. Like, you got to right, tweet that's it true. out. Sometimes like, I don't tweet it out, so I should I should, I, I should, do it. I, I want to come back, out. you know, in the off season. I just want to talk New Orleans the whole time with with uh, Ryan. I got a lot yeah. to talk about. I got a lot to say about late 90s, early oh, man, thousands, go, New Orleans. Right. Like the time Juvenile knocked on my buddy's door oh, look, looking for oh, his shit. girl. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. You coming yeah. back, boy? He was yeah, just we, at the he was just at the wrong place. There's not much of a story, but uh, it's still it still was it still was yeah. It was still Julie. Say water, say water. Where my old lady? Yeah, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> They're like, nah, man. You got the wrong apartment. But but for real, like that time, because we we were there during you know right when you know 400 degrees came out my oh. sophomore year or my freshman so like hot boys came out my freshman year so it was like we were right there for like the the very peak of it and it was it was like being in liverpool, it was like being in liverpool when the beatles you know came oh, out man. i'm not even kidding like that's the city Fact. was just going so, crazy had, it was had, just crazy had you experienced a new orleans club during that time period when back that ads out of course. Like, what are you talking about? So I'm just saying, like, because I, I, I think about like what that would have been like even to this day, and I just I can't fathom just how amazing that that feeling. I mean, for, forget that. I can remember a solid six months where the knockoff back that ass up. Yeah. I think it was Shake It. It was like Shake yeah. It Like a Dog by Cain yeah. and Abel. Yeah. That, that, the place went crazy for that. For six yeah, months. Yeah. I'm telling you, that song was the biggest song ever. And that was like a year and a half after it came out. It never, even, it never, you. it never stopped. But ha, I'm not even kidding. Ha changed my life. Like that, that song, I'll still, to me, that's still one of the, the great songs in man. American history, man. That, that to me was the song that, that changed everything. Don't get me started, bro. I'll be up all night, man. I'll be up all night talking that shit. <laughs> we're going to say that, we're going to say that for the New Orleans rap. <laughs> Greg likes rap. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, right quick, right quick. I just want to put a shout out to my uh, my wife. Birthday coming up in the next thirty minutes. Uh, my beautiful wife Brianna. She's gonna be turning. I'm not gonna say the age, but <laughs> just want to wish her a happy birthday. I love her to death, and we're gonna have a good time. And uh, you know, we've been together fifteen years. Woo! Yeah. Woo. You know, married for I don't know, a year and a half, whatever. But you know, I just want to wish her a happy birthday, and uh, you know, I just want to do that. And shout out to uh, Greg's wife. Hope she has a happy birthday too, since they're on the same day. Look at that, uh, Emika. Yeah, she 
how about you really made your wife wait there? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like we we need this listen. Like you gonna listen to the entire episode. <laughs> yeah, Emika's Emika's never listened to even your podcast. My podcast, not once. She once listened to it for I two minutes for two minutes in the car, and she was just like, "Why are we listening to this?" So <laughs> I love it. Same beer. I've met Emika, so that not that is not surprising in the least bit. So it's all business. Um. To both you guys, to, to Bree, to Emika, happy birthday, ladies. Um, you know, you, you women supported these knuckleheads, and um, we appreciate y'all. So happy birthday to you, ladies. Absolutely. All right. So with that <laughs> uh, and, all the, and all the sap and all the love, we're going to get out of here. Um, another episode of Hashtag Saints Twitter Pod in the book. As always, Greg, you know, we, we mess around. We joke around our life, but you're, you're like family. And, you know, we're buddies, so as always. No, I, I appreciate it. There's, there's no other, there's no other two guys that would do ninety minutes on a Tuesday <laughs> night <laughs> in I mean, June. So that's the best compliment I can give you. And I had a blast the whole time. I would, I'd do it again tomorrow. No, though, that's that's her birthday. I would, birthday that. yeah. <laughs> I would not do it tomorrow. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get out of here. Let you get some, get get some rest, and we'll, we'll be back with another episode of Hashtag Podcast. We're out. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.